0: Welcome to The Room, where we talk about the hard parts of leadership that every great leader goes through, but no one wants to talk about. I'm Jenny Dufresne, host of The Room podcast and CEO of Leaders Transform, a business growth training firm. I am a global leader, former United States Marine, international best-selling author, community and business leader. The Room is your safe space. We'll talk about the things that are difficult for leaders, the tough stuff that leaders aren't willing to be vulnerable about. But we really need to, so come on in, close the door, join me in the room. I know leaders, and I know leadership. Welcome, everyone, coming back to the room—the podcast where leaders talk about the things that they need to talk about but often won't. Um, my guest today is Patty Grimm. She's a CEO of, of Advantage Consulting, which is a training, consulting, and coaching firm focused really on helping to build great leaders. And break great companies. She's the author of a best selling book called Quiet Women Never Changed History Be Strong, Stand Up, and Stand Out. She's got it there on the, on the screen. So I'm really excited to talk to Patty today because she has a, a career that I think is similar to those of us who've had military careers, where she's worked for over 20 some years in the tech sector for those big companies that we all have heard about Microsoft, Johnson & Johnson, VMware where she's hit, led large-scale uh, transformations, SaaS transformations, software as a service transformations, not only here in the U.S., but also globally. And so one of the things that I'm super curious about, Patty, as we jump in today is, uh, what was the turning point for you? Because, uh, right, one of the things about leaders is that, or when we listen to leaders who are you know more experienced and they're kind of looking back on their career, we often don't talk about those crossroads that we got to where we were one person and we were trudging along maybe or journeying along and we get to that crossroads where we we have a decision to make Mm -hmm. do I go to the left or do I go to the right so welcome to the show and I'd love for you to just share left or right what was that crossroad for you
1: You know, it's kind of interesting. I sort of uh, fell in. My original career started in banking, and I sort of fell into it because I had graduated. I was in California at the time. I'd graduated from college, and I was going to be a teacher. I was going to be a high school teacher. Had all my credentials, and at the time, California passed a law that eliminated most taxes, and so all new teachers got laid off. And so I've got, you know, I've got an apartment, student loans, bills to pay. I got to get a job. So I go to my godfather, who was a a big executive vice president at Bank of America, to get a job. And I started out as a part-time teller. When I left, 10 years later, I was vice president of customer and people excellence. Mm -hmm. And so one crossroad was I was originally a what you would call a district sales and service manager. So I lived in California. I had a hundred branches, like when you go into cash your check or go into, you know, to go to the ATM or something. And I was managing this whole district from basically Oceanside California, San Diego, out to um out to the desert. And I was very happy as a district sales and service manager. I was a very successful career. And executive vice president came to me and said, you know, we're going through this big culture change. And I'm thinking, what is culture? <laughs> <laughs> this was like back in the 90s. What's right. culture? Right. What because culture? What we, yeah. need, we need to become more like a retail organization. We need to become more competitive because all this competition is coming in. If, if we don't change the way we do things, we're going to be out of business. And so he asked me to head up this project called Brands of the Future. Now, I knew nothing about culture. I knew very little about leadership, leadership development, all this kind of stuff. And to my surprise, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the concept of how do we help leaders become better leaders? How do we create a culture that is inclusive of all people, regardless of their background, what they look like, what they sound like, where they grew up, who they worship, you know, who they prefer to have as their partner in their lives. And so it, w- it really opened my eyes to a whole new world. And I never looked back. In fact, when the project was over, he came to me and said, what job do you want? You can have any job you want in the Mm -hmm. bank. And I said, none of them, which (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) The look on his face was that I I had just done something really, really bad by saying, I don't (laughs) want any of them. I said, what I wanna do is I wanna leave and become a consultant. And I wanna come back and do all this leadership development training that we're paying all these outside people for. So I've done that twice. I did that, I left the bank, I quit. The bank my father thought I was insane here I am a bi- woman vice president right one of the first woman vice presidents of this particular part of the bank had a strong career behind me all the security you could imagine and I walked out the door but basically no job and that's the first time I started my own company I did the same thing when I worked for Microsoft I was very happy doing a great job having a great time traveling the world and I left them and started my company the second time so I think you never know where your path will go And sometimes it's just being open to the opportunities and being willing to say, yes, I'll give it a try.
0: And I think that's, you know, one of the things as I was preparing for this conversation, uh, I was listening to an interview you did and it, and you, you were making this distinction around sort of what women, where women sometimes will take a step back Mm -hmm. and, be and not lean forward. Why? Well, because we often look at things and we say, well, I'm not ready for that. So I imagine when you had this opportunity 10 years into your career, I mean, there's all these things to calculate, right? I mean, you know, I've, I've invested myself, I've grown, I have a specific title and here I am. There's something that I have no idea about. Talk about, because to me, that is a crossroad that women leaders or women moving into leadership Will often shy away from, and then go get a PhD to see whether they're actually ready for the role, yeah. right? And and specifically to the tech sector, which I think has about twenty three percent of women in leadership roles. It's a huge missing for the sector. So, like, to talk a little bit about what what did you what had you learned to that to that to both points? I guess the banking on the banking side, and then in, in, in Microsoft. What did you learned that gave you the confidence to say, yes, crap, I don't know anything about this, but I can bet on myself or what was it in you that, or what had you been developing that you're like, I can do that, or I can at least work really hard to push that forward?
1: Yeah. And it, it was interesting in, in both cases, I somewhat consciously and subconsciously decided I needed to go get some education and background in the whole leadership development culture field. But I didn't wait very long. I, I spent like a year, I sort of had made a decision I was gonna leave. And I spent that year getting becoming a master. I, I, I call it for women being valuable, being visible and being vocal. So I made sure I understood, I took some courses, I did some trainings, I started to volunteer for stuff. And I started to build up that skill base to give me the confidence to leave. And I think you hit on something that is absolutely critical. It's a, the number one thing from my research for my second book I'm working on is the number one thing holding women back is perfectionism.
0: Yeah.
1: And that perfectionism starts when we're little girls and we're told to be the good girl, go to the good school, get the good grades, have the good friends, go to the good college, get the good job, find the good significant, you know, all this always having to be the good girl and be perfect is a thing that's holding us back. And I had to realize that my passion was going to carry me forward. And I knew I was going to be successful, even though there's always as you run your own business, you have your ups and downs, you have some months where you're Constantly busy and you may go three or four months where you have absolutely no income. Right. So you have to plan for that. But that the the idea to go for it and to have the confidence was becomes came from having a foundation. But I didn't go get the Ph.D., right? I always said that's so the one thing I probably regretted is I never went and did that. But I don't need those letters after my name because I know what I'm doing. I love the work that we do, that you and I do. I love the the concept of how do we create great leaders, build rock star teams, and help companies fast track their business results by creating a culture where everybody brings their magic to work every day.
0: I think so. Okay. Here's the part that leaders don't talk about. As I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about that woman. I was in the military, so in the Marine Corps, so, you know. Yeah. Being, being, uh, you know, if you didn't show confidence, you were eaten alive, basically. So, so, and our training, though, I think really set us up for that. Now, in a civilian sector, most, most folks don't have that experience or that opportunity, right? So were you always that woman or leader or woman leader who always had that sense of confidence? That's just your kind of innate how you were, or did, was that something that you had to, that's again, a crossroads that you had to reflect on and say, I need to do this. I, I need to, I need to, I need to find my inner power and I need to harness it because if I don't, I will get, you know, I will get eaten alive in both environments, probably in the, well, the banking probably has more women, but tech sector certainly doesn't. So yeah. is that something yeah. that you had to create? Create for yourself? Or was that just your innate, your innate personality? Uh, I think it may be
1: a bit of combination of both, but it's something mm-hmm. I had to create, mm-hmm. right? In the tech sector, when you are the only mm-hmm. in the room, when you are the only woman, or you are the only veteran, or you're the only mm-hmm. person of color, because I've actually mm-hmm. had conversations with pe- men, like mm-hmm. one of my good friends uh, is an Asian gentleman who does a ton of read. He's now a a scholar at Stanford, he does a ton of work around um, discrimination against Asians, obviously, that we've seen recently um, significantly increase. But he said, you know, the things you describe as being a woman in tech are the same things that I experienced Mm -hmm. with being an Asian man, not getting my Mm -hmm. voice heard, saying something that being overlooked, but yet the guy across the table says the same thing and gets credit for this fantastic idea that I just said. And Mm -hmm. I eventually just got the courage to say, excuse me, I said that first. Right, So yes. I did use kind of my own confidence to get there, but I've had moments in my career. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I in 2004, uh, we'd sent our son off to college. We're living in Seattle, Washington. I'm working for Microsoft. I'd been there maybe about 10 years. Maybe there's something with 10 years with me, right? I get to rest <laughs> in 10 years. And I went to my husband and I said, I would love to go work overseas. What do you think if we take an overseas assignment? And he said, go for it. So, nice. August of 2004, I moved to Singapore, all the way around the other end of the earth. Yeah, and I was there by myself for about six months because my husband went down to California to watch my son play college football, Udo, uh, which was fine. I had a great time by myself, and I met a lot of great people. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I remember the first couple, the first month or so, and sitting walking into that office in downtown Singapore and thinking, "Oh my God, they made a mistake." Mm. I'm not ready for this, right? Mm-hmm. They pick the wrong person. And what I tried to do, which the first principle in my book, so part of my book, I did three years of research about what makes strong women leader. And I've found these five principles. The first one is play to your strengths. Be strong and play to your strengths. So I was in one of these meetings with my boss, who was this amazing British man that became an incredible mentor. And I was in one of these meetings. After the meeting, he calls me into his office and he goes, what are you doing? And I, you know, your, your new boss says that to you. I've been there like a month. Right. I said, well, I'm just trying to fit in. He goes, I didn't hire you to fit in. I felt hired you to be you. So he uh-huh. gave me the confidence to focus on my strengths and what I do really well. And fo- what I say is focus on the best and forget the rest. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, you need mm-hmm. to round out your sure. skills and things, but find people around you that bring the strengths you don't. So play to your strengths and it helps increase your confidence. You're, and, and you have to be confident in tech like you did in the military. Otherwise, you Absolutely. will get eaten alive. Absolutely. there, was, there Absolutely. But there were times I literally had a screaming match with Steve Ballmer in front of a whole bunch of people. At the time, mm-hmm. Steve Ballmer was the CEO of Microsoft. Oh. He now owns the L.A. Clippers, right? Um, anyway, but yeah, so there were times I had to stand up for myself because I wanted to fight for what I believed in. The second thing I think that's really important, and a lot of leaders don't do, is have a personal vision statement Mm -hmm. that you use to guide your life. You and I have talked about this. We have a certain mission in our life, something we want to accomplish. My mission is to make a difference and empower leaders, specifically women and girls, to be their best and leave the world a better place. So every decision I make, is based on whether or not I'm gonna make that decision. That, that that thing when you said to when you're a crossroad, do you go left or right? Right, right. So when I took the job in Singapore, I also had the opportunity to take a job in Germany. And I had my personal vision of making a difference. The only difference between the two jobs was in Singapore, there were 160 people on what they called the headquarter staff servicing about 26, 27 countries from China to Australia, New Zealand to India, right? So 160 of us in Europe, there were a thousand people on that staff. So where was I going to make the biggest difference? Where was I going to have the biggest impact? Where was I going to be able to use my passion for developing and empowering people to be their best? What I, you know, it's, it's the old, you want to be a, big fish in a little pond in singapore do you want to be right. a a a, ti- a tiny fish in, middle, in a really big yeah. pond living in uh, germany so it's it's those kinds of things to think about what is your what, what is it you want to do in your life
0: i think you raise and and again as we talk about women in leadership and girls in leadership you know girls aspiring to leadership uh well formal leadership because women and girls are always leading uh yes. One of the things that I think is actually really powerful about what you just said is that, that that personal vision one is really is really key because you know it's your touch point. I think I you know, posting your vision, making sure you keep that vision in front of you. The other thing that I heard you say, which really is a power is a is a huge strength for women, is looking to the future and how we impact and shape the world around us. And I think yes. that that's that's actually one of our super strengths uh because we're we are actually very future focused just because of our our roles in the world right we 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 tend to one of my most favorite stories is the story of iceland and in the 70s when all the women in the country went on strike and today iceland is uh, number one on most positive indicators globally, yep. Along as well as having women women in leadership roles. So you talk about your passion for empowering girls and women, which is coming out of, you know, all the experiences that you've had. Yeah. And and it's interesting as I was thinking about this, you know, some things like artificial intelligence, which Microsoft is, you know, has done tremendous <laughs> in investments into Open AI. I think it's around 10 billion dollars. Right. But one of the things that I started thinking about as we were as I was preparing for this is why it's important for girls to um see their the opportunities to to lead
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and particularly when we're talking about radical and, fa- and and rapid change so radical meaning the artificial inte- the change the changes artificial intelligence is bringing and if like i'd love for you to talk a little bit about your thoughts around women needing to be in more of those leadership roles to craft and to shape and to form this thing or set of things that is actually going to alter our world or is altering our world like why is- would you say like how how do you see a woman in a leadership role? Let's say a woman at the head of Microsoft, but how do you see, how would you see her gathering other people and shaping things so that this really does work for everyone?
1: Yeah. And what are the the, strengths
0: I guess you'd want to focus in on?
1: Yeah. In the, in the early days, this goes back to probably around 2010, um, when they first started experimenting back way back when, I mean, Microsoft develops or invests more in R&D than they do in marketing and sales. And they started developing early technology as early as, to, I think, about 2002, 2000, before I went to Asia. And I used to be what they called a the demo dolly, which we don't use that term anymore. But we had this thing on Microsoft campus called the Microsoft Home. The Microsoft Home was a home that everything you have in your house today I was demonstrating in 2002, right over 20 years ago, including the fact that the remote you're using on your TV was the remote I was using in the house to demonstrate everything you have on your TV with streaming services. Being able to record, being able to say, "I want to hear music by Harry Belafonte," right? Right. I want to hear music by Dolly Parton singing Queen from the from the. But ball game last night, (laughs) uh, right? (laughs) The football game. But it was interesting because the home had a a talking refrigerator, and we called the home Astro, which was named after the dog and the Jetsons. And because my a woman's voice, the artificial intelligence back then did not recognize a woman's voice. And so, if I had to, so I would do this demo and I'd have to say, Astro, do we have any snapple in the house? For it to recognize a female voice, the same is true of any accent and things like that. So if women aren't at the forefront of what's being done with artificial intelligence, things will get developed that are not going to be as inclusive for women, people of color and people with certain accents. So we have to speak up. We have to be those leaders that are in that room saying, you know, time out. In today's business world, sameness is the kiss of death. So if you look at your leadership team where you work and they all look the same, act the same, maybe even went to the same university, you're going to make unilateral decisions that are not going to be inclusive of the customers that you serve. It is literally the kiss of death. You have to be able to have the ability to lead and to be able to do that. And we need those women and girls in cutting edge. I encourage girls to go into you don't have to be a coder. You don't have to be what we right. used to call them propeller heads at Microsoft. Guys with little beanies and propeller heads, we used to call them, which is better. I don't know if that's better than right. Dolly or not, but right, you know, right. the whole idea was you don't have to be that person to get into technology. You don't have to be someone that sits at a desk all day by yourselves and writes code. There's so many opportunities. And if girls go into some sort of a STEM background, science, technology, engineering, math, which they've now added architecture and several Art, other yeah, things to it. Yeah. Um, you will go farther. You'll be promoted faster. You need to be visible, valuable, and vocal. So you need to be able to speak up for yourself and stand up for yourself and say, you know, time out. I don't think we're making a decision that is including uh, all of your mm-hmm. customers, right? So you want to make sure that you're doing that. The other interesting thing is that research shows that women that are perce- are seen as strong, confident, and empathetic advance faster.
0: Oh, interesting. The, the yeah. empathetic piece is added.
1: The empathetic capital, piece, to the, the authenticity added, piece. The other right. thing, because you mentioned Finland, the, the countries that handled COVID the best yes. were well, all run by all women. All run by so women if you see the LinkedIn I article in. I yeah. wrote, it's got a picture of the woman from New Zealand, Finland, yeah. woman from Singapore, the women from Taiwan, yeah. Germany, all the countries that handled COVID the best with the lowest cases, the mm-hmm. lowest death rate, mm-hmm. were won by women. Every well, single that's one it. of them.
0: And I, think, and I think the same happened with U.S. Um, cities that were yes. run by women. I think very much the similar. Uh, yeah. and, and it was, you know, it, it might have been considered austere, but people were alive at the end of it. Um, so you, like, gave me, and I didn't even know we were going to go into this space, but... <laughs> I think, well, because I think the what you just shared about your experience at Microsoft and being in the room um, a f- number of years ago, not that many, but I was in a, a conversation with the high select group of folks in Texas, leaders in the tech sector, and we were a small, special, you know, group. And it was the conversation, which I think Elon Musk was putting, um, Pro, not probes, but stuff in people's brains to start. Like a to computer chip. Yes, and there was this whole discussion about the fact that there weren't, there was no, there were no. It was, it was all the same people having all the same conversations with each other, and there were at least a couple people in the room who were like, "Wait a minute!" But if we're doing things like facial recognition, and we have people who have certain biases who are saying, Oh, people with, you know, a nose or lips or ears or whatever hair, no hair that can really create problems. So I think I'm just, I, I, to hear your experience and to think about now, you know, we call Alexa and it's a woman. Uh, but I've even heard still women have that issue is that sometimes the, the, their voice still isn't as recognized, but it, it goes just to the power and the importance of women being involved. And I love your, your, uh, you, you know, your three V's, b- vocal being one of them. Mm-hmm. So there's also a, a, a. a um, we say young people say a clap back, but for women who are vocal, like how do what would be your recommendation, suggestion, encouragement? Because women are sometimes women are vocal, and if they're the only in the room, they've got a really have something going on to be able to step up, be vocal, um, and be able to thrive in an environment that might actually be very antagonistic to them being vocal. So I'm curious from your, your story, your life path in these environments being the only, right. um, probably being in the only and pushing back against something that everybody had, you know, gunk was gung ho about because everyone sat around somewhere and drank beers and thought it was a great idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then brought it and then brought it to the meeting. And that's a scary thought. <laughs> right. Right. But then like, how did, like, w- what's your recommend? Like, how did you, how did you n- know to be vocal and then thrive in those places where it wasn't supportive coming back? Like there have yeah. male mentors or allies who were supportive is one thing, but I don't know that that's really the as common as we would yeah. like it to be. So, how yeah. did you navigate that?
1: I will admit, I have been called a pushy B word, yeah, right? B word. I'll say pushy broad, broad. But the okay, other yeah. one is the word that rhymes with itchy that starts with the B. Yeah, right, right. right. Um, I've been called that in the past. Now, one one when you need to stand up, you need to have the confidence and that. You know, in yourself and what you're saying and believe in it passionately um and many and I've had you know a couple of times somebody say you know you're you're aggressive I'm said I'm not aggressive you wouldn't be called. you wouldn't if what I was being doing if what I was being if what I'm doing was being done by a man would you still call it aggressive? Right. I had one guy a time, a reporter when I was on uh, speaking at an event and I had a reporter say, you know, don't you feel guilty leaving your children at home while you fly around the world? And I said, quite frankly, no, my husband is a stay at home mom or stay at home dad and we have a wonderful relationship. And why would you ask that question of a man? Right. 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 So sometimes I I actually wrote a LinkedIn article about uh, overcoming imposter syndrome with SAS in class. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it takes SAS and sometimes it takes Mm -hmm. class. And when somebody says, oh, my gosh, you're so energetic and you're so passionate about this. And I'll say, but isn't that what you want me to be? Right. I, I was I actually was interviewing a woman from, uh, for this upcoming, this next book that I'm still trying to work on. Uh, and she's a pretty senior level DEI woman with a very, a very large tech company. And she called me one day and said, my boss just called me um, emotional. And I didn't know what to say. And I said, Well, I want you to go march back in his office at someone at the right time. And I want you to say, I'm not being emotional. You hired me to be passionate about what I do. Mm-hmm. What you see as motion, I see as passion. And isn't that right. what you want me to be? So having that ability to one, be confident in yourself and know what you're talking about. So if you're not confident, if you're not um, if you don't have the knowledge to back it up, that valuable piece. It's hard to be vocal and visible, but you need to be vocal and visible. And one way to do that, especially with people that are introverts, I encourage Mm -hmm. all introverts to watch Susan Cain's The Power of Introversion.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Too many people make the mistake that introversion and extroversion is a personality trait. And it's not.
0: It's not. It's
1: not. Extroversion is people that get their energy by going outside, talking, talking, being exposed to people, introverts are people that get their energy by going inside. So if you're an introvert or an extrovert and say there's going to be one of these big company meetings, find out what the agenda is ahead of time. Do some background research and be prepared. Ask a question. Sit in the front of the room by God. Do not sit in back of the church.
0: No, sit at the front. (laughs) Front, take up space. (laughs) The
1: front, two to four rows if you can't get all the way to the very front. But sit in the front of the room and raise your hand and ask that question so people recognize you. People know who you are. So when it comes time for that promotion and you raise your hand and say, I'm ready, they know something about you.
0: Absolutely. And that doesn't mean that you're self-centered or any of the other things that often get ascribed to that. Or we've been led to believe that if you are vocal, or if you sit at the front of the room, if you ask a hard question or a probing question, um, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything other than you're interested in getting a good answer. Um,
1: And I go back to the combination of women who are assertive women who are strong and confident combined with empathy advance faster. So that's why you're seeing so many, uh, you know, amazing women leaders that are doing you know, like we said, the right thing through COVID, the right thing through everything else. And they're able to, you know, do those kinds of things and stand up for themselves, but also stand up for other women. Like if you're in, if you're in the room and say we're in a meeting together and you say something that's brilliant and it gets looked, nobody recognizes It's my job to say, wait a minute. I think Jenny's onto something. Let's talk about this. Yes. So it's my job to support women, not sabotage, to collaborate yeah. and not compete, because that's another thing that holds us back is when we think, oh, there's only so many you know roles at the, say, the next level. Right. So I've got to compete. Well, collaborate. When you move Which is, up, again, bring five women with you, right? Uh, right. Uh, Dorothy Chisholm said, if there's not a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. I, I, I say bring it, a whole flock of folding chairs.
0: Yeah, no, it, it is, it is a, and I'm glad you actually touched on that because I think that's the other kind of hidden, I don't wanna say it's our dark, it's our it's our dark, dark, dark conversation. It's that conversation that we don't really wanna air as women, that we do have women who, you know, that sabotage, unfortunately, is something that happens and it's it's women doing it to other women, sometimes with the support or the leveraging of men to do it but i i i i a hundred percent agree with you i I've said this that in order for our world to work for everyone women have to be more women have to be in leadership roles, and that to your point includes pulling other women forward um yeah. you know and not being worried i i guess one of the my big takeaways in listening uh, to you and and to just highlight for folks who who are who will be listening is It's super important to have a, have an, I have, have a sense of what you're going to say when people, because honestly, some of these, like these statements haven't ever changed. They haven't changed in 40 some years, guys. And sometimes women who will say, oh, you're, you're a B because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're over here. You're aggressive. You're, 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 you're emotional. Like, why are you crying at work? All of that stuff. But it's to have an important comeback to that. So you're already prepared. You're kind of already armed for that. And usually don't, people don't have anything else to say. Once you come back and you say you're vocal and give them back, you know, whatever, they don't have anything else to say. The other thing is, I think in that personal vision you spoke of, like I would just add to that personal vision is the number of women that you're going to pull forward into leadership roles, like that be a really a, a personal commitment because of the, because and to engage male allies to help that as well that's right. also an important part of this but i think that women we don't need to be threatened by each other like it's it's one of the unfortunately worst parts of um how i've seen us show up sometimes is when we're threatened by one other person who's junior to us who's yeah. brilliant and then we do everything to not everybody, but it happens that people get squashed and derailed and all kinds of other things. Well, um, our mutual,
1: you... our, our mutual friend Michelle actually <laughs> wrote a book about what women do wrong according to men, and she interviewed—I don't remember how many people—and the number one thing men said that's holding women back is stabbing other women in the back.
0: Yeah, that and that kind of sabotage. Men, if men are saying that, <laughs> yes, women listen. If men are saying that, then it's noticed. <laughs> Yeah because um, yeah. it's funny I mean it's I mean it's amazing you can watch men battle it out practically beat each other to a pulp in this in the parking lot and then walk back in as a unified front for whatever the decision is. Yeah. And yeah. women and, and, won't. it's
1: yeah and it's so it's, <laughs> it's agree you know disagree and then get to an agreement but it's absolutely yeah. you you hit the nail on the head on that one in terms of you know um uh, they compete 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 And if they go out and have beers together, they go play golf, they go whatever they happen to do. And sometimes we take it personally. I I highly encourage people to, one, read the book, The Confidence Code, uh, Mm -hmm. by two women journalists. But they just wrote a new book called uh, The Power Code. Uh, And another article I wrote on LinkedIn is we need to rewrite the rules for how women see and view power. Uh, We need to be willing to be strong. And they said one of the differences, which sounds really small, is that men use power over someone or something women use power with someone or something and so sometimes women are criticized for not making quick enough decisions but maybe our decision is taking longer because we want to go get consensus we want to run the idea by three or four other people and sometimes what we simply need to do is be explicit so you know there was a Mm -hmm. a classic case of a woman who was fired because she didn't make decisions fast enough but the fact was she was making the right decisions and the guy who made the quick decisions cost the company millions of dollars because of his quick right. decision making and not getting the agreement. So men and women lead when women, men and women lead slightly differently. And that's OK. We need Absolutely. both.
0: We need both.
1: I've ne- I we, would never yeah. do man trashing on any of those yeah, things. No. We, we need both. We need both of us in that room. We need people of color we need people of different backgrounds different Mm -hmm. religions different beliefs we need everybody in the room because that's the diversity and inclusion that will get us to the next level
0: right and i think i think is your to 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 your point um it's it is again we women have such a valuable and important role to play in in global leadership so leadership no matter what level the political realm would be great um, but the corporate, every nonprofit, every realm, every realm, because it, it, so that that's one part of it. The other part of it is to recognize, and I think you've talked about this and you you've also shared this in your book, Quiet Women Never Changed History, is that we also need to recognize that our way of leading is as powerful, as important and critically needed. And so one of the things that I would love as we get ready to close out here is for you to just share what are those, you know, what are those ways that women lead that people or that women ourselves that we diminish or we devalue because yeah. it's not something that we're encouraged to to celebrate or to accentuate.
1: Yeah, I and it really came out in COVID and post-COVID that what people need is a compassionate, authentic leader who is true to themselves and true to the people around them, and has the compassion to actually say to a team during COVID when we're all living in our homes with the same people tw- or alone or with the same people twenty-four right. by seven, you know, for two years.
0: Right. I couldn't wait
1: to get on an airplane, I'll tell you <laughs> that, because I've traveled most of my life. And I went uh, on I mean, a star, but, you know, but what what people needed was that authentic, compassionate leadership that women bring, and I will use an example from a friend of mine, I, and I know you're a veteran, but my really good friend, Colonel Deb Lewis, when I interviewed for her interview her interviewed her for the book said several very insightful things one of which is she said women see around the corner now Mm -hmm. colonel deb lewis is now retired living in hawaii with her husband who was also in the military she was in the first class of women that went to west point Mm -hmm. and graduated and had a 30-year career in the military commanding Mm -hmm. troops around the world the commanders the generals would come watch her team meetings because of the way she handled the meetings and the dynamics. And what she said to me was women see around the corners. Now you can call that That's women's powerful. intuition. You can call it right. what that, that, fit, that feeling you get in your stomach that something's not right. And the example right. she uses, a man's doing a meeting and he's got his agenda and he stands up, does his whole meeting, goes through, check, 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 check. Great meeting, way to go. Right. Right. Didn't notice that nobody was in agreement with him. Didn't notice right. that you were completely disengaged because you would disagreed right. with the decision, but were too afraid to speak up. Deb was saying what women will do is they'll see that and they'll stop and say, Jenny, it looks like you have a comment or something right. on your mind. Right. Or, you know, Or making sure everybody agreed to the decision before we walk out the room and everybody goes in completely different directions. So that ability to see things around us that ability to be compassionate and empathetic, that ability to be smart, um, to be val- like valuable vocal vis- visible, like I said, but also to be brave, to be bold, and to be willing to be brilliant, mm-hmm. and stand out from that crowd, and and be that's proud awesome. of it,
0: you yeah, know, that's celebrate awesome. it. That is awesome. I'm really, um, this was a great conversation. So uh, much I, think, fun. <laughs> I know. Right. It's like, um, uh, so it's uh, really fantastic. And Patty, I know you have your consulting firm where you are working, you and your team work with leaders and teams building great companies. Uh, what, what, as we get ready to wrap out here, what, what would you say are your, you know, ideal customers or clients that you're looking to connect with, uh, for your Advantage Consulting and Training uh, firm?
1: I'm really looking for probably what you would consider to be a mid from, from an overall leadership perspective, a mid-sized company that needs to hire the right people, inspire them to stay, diagnose or d- design their organization for success, putting the right people in the right rows or the right seats in the boat, right. and being able to diagnose the culture, and make sure that they're uh, on track and they're not losing it. They're not, their employee engagement isn't going down, their customer service is going down. So we have a comprehensive set of services. Um, there's something called predictive index that can help companies hire people, inspire them to stay and design the organization for success. On the woman's side, I work with a lot of mid-career women and help them go from burnout to breakthrough and from stagnation to success. So I have a, a leader, her program for companies that I go come in and teach leadership courses to the, to your wit, to the women. And I awesome. have an empower her, uh, one-on-one or small group coaching. And I do a lot of, uh, coaching for young girls and women sometimes that is, you know, for a nonprofit.
0: Um, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you for that. Cause I think it, it's, again, it's really important for people to understand and to tap in the power of someone like Patty, who's had Twenty some years, twenty plus years, over twenty years of um, leadership in the tech sector, banking sector, uh, as well as doing some really fantastic work, um, just you know helping build teams and move move organizations forward. And and I think this piece of women's leadership, again, anyone who has a company, mid sized companies, larger companies, and you're not actively developing a leader pipeline for women there is a, there is a, there is a, there is a breakdown in your company. And all, all research says that there's a yeah. breakdown in your company. There's a lack of profitability. There's a, pro- there's a loss. There's probably team loss, people loss, mm-hmm. productivity loss, customer loss. And so it's a super duper important to engage um, with, with folks like. Uh, and Patty every research,
1: every company. research study points to the fact that having a, a diverse and a woman yep. in your organization, you are more profitable. You have higher customer satisfaction, you have higher employee engagement that leads to less turnover, and all of that
0: impacts directly the bottom line. Yep, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, so if you're interested in getting a hold of Patty Grimm, CEO of Advantage Consulting and Training, all of her contact information or her company's contact information will be in the show notes. I strongly encourage you to connect with her. Uh, This has been a really fantastic conversation, Patty. Any last words you want to share? before we sign off? I just want folks to understand that, to be brave, bold and brilliant and have fun. And have fun. That's (laughs) the most important part. Good Lord, have fun. All right, thanks. Thanks. Hey, it's Jenny. Thank you so much for joining me in this week's episode of The Room, a safe place where leaders come together to talk about the things that we don't often share out loud. If you enjoyed your time in The Room, please like or subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a review. And if you want to learn more about our important work with leaders, head over to the website leaderstransform.com and continue to be connected to our community. Thank you again for listening and make sure you invite someone to next week's episode of The Room.